The start of the 2022 Formula One season is only days away. G'day there, I'm James Baldwin and you've joined us here on Lakeside Drive for the fourth season of this podcast and the 2022 Formula One season. It's great to have your company all across the world, wherever you're listening. It is so awesome to have you join us. So let's get into 2022. And it's a real pleasure to have a solid lineup change here at Lakeside Drive for 2022. And to join us formally for this season, it's David Munnis. G'day, mate. G'day, boys. How are you going? Doing very well, thank you. And of course, Freya Brolsmer as well, who can't join us for this episode, but she will be around for our Bahrain Grand Prix review episode. And of course, I'm joined by my friends and yours, the OGs. It's Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. Gentlemen, Elliot. Doing very well. And of course, Tommy T, my friend. How are you, mate? G'day. What's going on, boys? It's uh, the very, the very it's start. The very start of a very big calendar year. Uh, not only of content, but of course of Formula One for all of us, gents. Uh, and look, it's great to have your company. As I said, if you're listening to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, uh, or on YouTube, of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It absolutely helps. And if you're on Spotify now, you can leave us a rating, little stars uh, down the bottom of the show name. You can tap that and tell us how you feel. Uh, but boys, there is plenty to get through, of course, before we get into uh, the first Grand Prix of the year. We'll start at the very, very beginning. And As I said this before we started recording, I don't want to dwell too much on 2021. Uh, of course, you can go back and listen to our season review podcast. It's a good two hours worth. <laughs> Plenty was mentioned there, but some stuff has happened since good. then. Question mark. Uh, Campy, let's start with you. Michael Massey, of course, has been replaced. I don't want to get too in, in depth into this, but let's just get your top line thoughts. Oh, look, thousands of opinions on this. The thing for me is the FIA came and backed him at the end of the race and said he has captain's call and he can do what he wants. The fact that he's since been fired or replaced and he's going to take another job within the FIA suggests to me that there's probably some politics going on at the top end. I think uh, I think if you're Mercedes, you have to kick up a fuss about it because you spend, you know, $1.5 billion a year throughout your organisation for them to have a, ro- a world championship robbed like that. They have to kick up a stink, and that's why his head eventually fell. If you're Red Bull, well, you're super lucky, and uh, you, you get going again for this year. So I think uh, he's been scapegoated. It's a bit of a shame. Um, I probably thought that his job was untenable. Not that I think we should be making those comments, but he's uh, – look, the, the, the way it's played out politically, it's just – we're not getting any honesty, we're not getting any truth, and we're getting people's varied opinions about what they can and can't say, which is typical F1 bullshit that we have to put up with as fans, and it's unfortunate for him and his family, so we wish him all the best in whatever he does. Yeah, certainly it was an interesting time, uh, and to be replaced with two new race well, directors is interesting. Uh, can for I me, just say, please. sorry, that race director that came from uh, DTM, if you go and watch the last race of DTM last year, <laughs> it was possibly even more of a shit show than the last race in F1. Yeah. So we've replaced incompetence with worse. So yep. Anyway, moving it's, on. Uh, well, that was exactly the point I was going to make. We've got oh, uh, Neil from – no, no, Neil from DTM, exactly. Uh, not exactly someone who I would say has an absolutely – 
clean record. But of course, you know, it came out of the passing of Charlie Whiting, which was incredibly sad. Charlie sort of made that role for himself. Michael took over what was the Charlie role. And this is probably an admission from the FIA that, yes, Michael was responsible for too much. But you would have thought that they would have at least brought in one person to help him out and kept Michael there. But as as you said, there's an admission that something went wrong for the FIA to boot him. Manus, we didn't get your thoughts on what sort of fell out from 2021, but it wasn't exactly the, the cleanest of calls. And now, of course, this has happened. But does it really give us a brand new season, brand new regulations and a brand new way to look at 2022 Formula One? Yeah, look, I think there needed to be a structured change. Uh, Massey was obviously coming under a lot of pressure throughout the season, uh, just how the season unfolded between Red Bull and Merck. They're really going at each other's throats. So I, I, towards the end of it, I did begin to feel a little bit sorry for him. Uh, so look, I'm glad there has been a structured change. I mean, the call, I haven't aired my views, but I felt it deviated from the norm, and that's what kind of annoyed me. Um, we know how a safety car plays out and it was just something completely different. So for me, that was an, an annoyance uh, and that's not what I want to see. I don't want to see someone's interpretation of the rules. Um, I want to see basically consistency like every sports fan. Uh, so look, the structure chains, the virtual race control room, I think it's a good idea. It's someone to share the burden uh, and not just one person getting picked on the whole time. So, yeah. Well, it, it, is, it is only just one of them each race. So the the issue that we've got, uh, Tommy T, now bringing to you is the consistency of the racing stewards from 2021 is something that we had some issues with. Uh, And of course, we know that there was a difference, or at least up until that point, the difference between the stewards and the race director in terms of decision-making ability. Uh, Now we have two different race directors, uh, one from that DTM background, of course, the other who I don't know anything about at this point, but for, for what the sport needs, though, is this the right thing? But Because we're going away from consistency, aren't we? I think so, but I think the structure is going to be a bit more in line and uniform race to race as opposed to kind of like, here's a rule book, figure out how you're interpreting everything. I think they're going to have to be more in line with what they want to go with between the two of them and how they're going to manage that. The other thing is I think the big problem we had last year was we got to see all of this play out on TV and over the radio, I think removing that like they are this year is going to help massively. This stuff can happen in the background like it always has. We just happened to see it all last year and I think that compounded the issue and made Massey look even worse. If we didn't really hear all of those kind of backwards and forwards and him kind of sound like he was placating people, I think he might have skated through and it just would have been like wiped away. But I think the fact that we heard all of that behind the scenes actually made it worse. So I think that coupled with the two of them having to be on the same page might actually get more clarity for what the stewards are looking for as opposed to just in one person's head thinking how they're interpreting the rules. They have to actually speak it out to each other and confirm what the other is going to execute uh, race to race. Yep. Okay. Well, look, that that is 2021. As I said, it's in the bin. We've put it behind us. There is a number one on a Red Bull car, which we haven't had for quite some time in that of Max Verstappen. Uh, of course, Tommy, uh, you and Freya, absolutely stoked by that thought. Yeah, bloody duchies. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about a bloody duchy. Max Verstappen just signed the longest contract in Formula One ever to about 2057, it seems. Uh, it's 2028. <laughs> Um, this is obviously absolute faith, Campy, isn't it, in Max wanting to stay with Red Bull, but also Red Bull realising they really need to hold on to him in the future. 
Yeah, look, he is a once in a generation driver. It's a bit like Lewis Hamilton's relationship with Mercedes. Yes, he came in on the back of McLaren, which was always a Mercedes affiliated team. But as soon as that team was set up and organised for one or two years, they moved him across, and he's been under that umbrella since day one. Uh, you know, back in when he was nine and ten, so in junior karting. So for Red Bull, totally the smart decision to do. Um, I think that championship in Max's mind solidified the fact that hey. We've been able to bring that gap down from Mercedes and we're actually getting better and better every year and bridging that gap. So uh, he probably sees long-term that they're the car to beat in the next four to five years with a guy like Adrian Newey there as the chief designer. He's got a he's got a massive history. We could be looking at, you know, another four straight from Red Bull and then you're looking at the last sort of 16, 17 years and there's only two manufacturers that have won the championship. I think that's what Red Bull's looking for and uh, look good on them for doing it. They got the money. Dietrich could pay that guy 10 times what he's worth every year and it still wouldn't make a, a dint in his pocket. So good on them. Right decision for me. Tommy T, you got to make you happy though, doesn't it? I, th- I don't think Max had to sign that. I think Red Bull had to get that deal done, if anything. I think uh, Max could have walked into anyone's garage and demanded a big amount of money. So that's just smart from Red Bull going, let's not have this conversation for another, what, six years? We don't have to talk about contracts being up, about like seats being taken, all these kind of things. It's locked away. We can just focus on this next era and dominating as it is without this kind of upheaval potentially coming in the near future. I think that's just a better way to operate. So stoked for Max. I think it's going to be a good number. I don't know if we know exactly what it is, but it's going to be large, you would think, for that many years just off a world championship. You think you'd be doing all right. Yes, and of course, Honda not doing their 2008 version of themselves uh, and deciding at the last minute to stay in Formula (laughs) 1, which was a good call. It's it's like they'd looked in the past and said, I wonder what was going to happen in 2009 slash 22. But for you, Manus, uh, the the big thing, I think, from my side is this second seat. I mean, this is now a a car that is going to be absolutely dominated by Max Verstappen, no doubt. Whoever sits in that second seat, though, you are only guaranteeing yourself second in the championship or maybe some podiums if Max was to crash out. Yeah, look, I think Perez knows that and Perez is uh, the man for that job. Um, you know, he's he's in a car that if Max happens to have a bad day, he can take a win or definitely get on the podium. So, look, I, I think it's a no-brainer keeping Perez there uh, and he's certainly happy to be in a, a competitive car. But, of course, competitive cars, well, we're not really sure what that is or who that is <laughs> this season. But before we talk about testing itself, let's talk about the bloody designs and the liveries and how gorgeous this thing looks. I think this is the best-looking Formula 1 car for a very long time. Tommy T, as our resident head of design and all things that look good, uh, <laughs> I want to. I want you to talk about some liveries. What are your, who are your favorites? Yep. What do you think could be improved? Because, I mean, there's some yep. stunning ones this year. I mean, it's probably no surprise that I like the McLaren. I think that's probably one of the better. I think <laughs> the design team has always done a good job. And like as of late, they do really well. I really like the uh, Alfa Romeo and the Ferrari. I think that shade of red that they've both gone towards mm. is much better than previous, that kind of more burgundy. Really a big fan of that. I think... The worst has to be that bloody stupid pink that they're running for the uh, yeah Alpine racing point team. is back. Uh, racing for this point bar is weird. Not a fan. Esteban Ocon's driving for racing point again. Ocon How did that can't happen? Escape pink cars. <laughs> <laughs> 
It, uh, it just follows him everywhere he goes. That, that car looks ridiculous. That pink has never worked on a racing car, but anyway. Um, I think the one thing that I would change is the way that some of the teams are highlighting, I don't know what we're, what we're calling them yet, but where that front wing extends over the tyre, some of them are highlighting them with fluoro kind of yellows and stuff, and I reckon it just looks stupid and distracts from the rest of the car. But other than that, I really like the, the sides, how they kind of sweep in, especially that that Mercedes looks epic with no side pods. <laughs> kind of looks like a Le Mans car or looks something. Like it looks really cool. fighter, that's what it looks um, like a stealth fighter. It's really, really cool. Look, I don't know if I like the wings yet. I think that's one thing mm. I'm not sure about, the way that the opening is kind of inside and looks a bit, bit like a cat flap kind of thing rather than actually like a good system. It looks like it just they've just cut a piece of wing out that moves. But other than that, like it's a really good start. And I think, yeah, most of the teams have really nailed their color schemes. Um, but it's a really good start. I thought it was going to be way messier and the cars would be useless. Manas, what do you think? Because, I mean, there is absolutely some different design choices there. Campy just mentioned, of course, the lack of side pods, although that was only a two-week decision from the first Mercedes that we saw. But for you, though, I mean, we could you could bathe your, your baby in the Ferrari in one of the side pods there. That's just a little bath. <laughs> yeah. The Ferrari looks absolutely sick. I agree with Tommy. It, for me, it's probably the best one out there, the best livery. Uh, followed closely by McLaren. Uh, the Aston Martin, I don't think that looks too bad either. Mm. Um, but yeah, the front wing, uh, myself and my mate were talking last night and he described the front wing as a, a Frenchman's moustache. It's got that weird sort of a look to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's an odd looking yep. thing, but look, we'll get used to it by mid-season. We'll just think this car is, you know, red hot. Yeah, they're looking, they are just generally looking good. Uh, it was weird that F1 last year put it in that oddly reflective silver paint because it just made it look terrible. But now it looks phenomenal. Campy for you, who's your favourite? Mm. Who's who's the least favourite? Who's in the bin? Uh, the, oh, the least favourite is the pink uh, Alpine. Yep, we can that all agree, just... racing points in the bin. Yeah, it's gonna that's gonna get me. That's gonna catch me out definitely. Uh, least favorite. Oh man, the Williams looks good. The Williams looks really <laughs> mm. good. That blue and white contrast is good. I'm not actually a massive fan of the McLaren. Um, I think it's they've got that purple thing on the side of it and that wave and nah, I'm just not into it. But they should have gone with that golf one that they did last year. I think that's it's a logo the, brand yeah. that sponsors them. Yeah, I know, but I'm not into it. So uh, we got <laughs> we got all the sneaky yeah. uh, cigarette money back on cars now. So. Well, uh, we, we don't, though, and this is too. why Ferrari is looking as good as it's looking because there is a significant lack of mission win out. That's gone. So they've opened up that ability to have that beautiful colour, I think, as well. Uh, and, Tommy T, I maybe I slightly disagree that. with you about the yellow for Ferrari because, I mean, that's the Ferrari logo, right? There's a nice little nod to the yellow behind the prancing horse, which I only noticed that this morning. No, you know what I mean, though? They've got this... It looks like Hive is tape, like on just on the underside of those like wheel arch kind of extensions. I think it just instead of just making them all black, they've added this highlight that just like what is that? Oh, it's just the wheel arch. Sick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'll just it's, say it's Aston Martin did nipping. that uh, camo one too, which was like tops. Alfa Romeo, you top. mean? Oh, sorry, yeah, that's one. Yeah, yep, the other one. Alfa, <laughs> same thing. That was cracker. 
I'm all about a camo Too many liveries. A's. I'm it, all about it. Yeah, it was weird that Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yu Joe just How didn't turn up it, to Spain at all. It was, uh, and then we only got to see the Aston later, which is a joke. I'm never going to get sick of saying. Uh, we all loved camo red, camo red Bull, right? So it was only it was a right thing to do by Alfa Romeo, and Alfa Romeo looks fantastic. Tommy T, completely agree. That red looks amazing. Mm-hmm. The older new logo looks absolutely sick. Uh, I think Williams yep. looks phenomenal as well. Haas's new updated new livery also looks really nice and clean, beautiful as well. I think Aston Martin, like I America. just generally think <laughs> across the whole board, yes, the three races that we have to see Racing Point is, are the worst, but when Blue Alpine gets back uh, <laughs> after Australia, yeah. the whole grid looks bloody great. It's the first time that I can't say yeah. this is a really crap-looking livery. Uh, so that's great. Well done, all yeah. F1 designers. I know you listen to this podcast. Uh, you get the uh, the Lakeside Drive tick of approval. Um, but one thing I also want to talk about is the racing suits because uh, we always have some interesting looking suits in and out of the car. I think Ferrari look great all the way up until the Shell logo. It's weird that the Shell logo is still on <laughs> this bright red. It's like, guys, <laughs> maybe just take one for the team in terms of your branding colours and and do away with it. Just have the we know who you just are. Go wide. There is yeah. there's no suffering brand recognition there. But is anyone else, Tommy T, racing suit wise that you think look good? I haven't really noticed that much, but I will say I'm not a fan of Daniel Ricardo's helmet this year. Ooh, not as good as last year. I don't think. I think last oh, year's like pastel kind of ice cream colours was really cool. You too hate Tom. Sorry, too hate Danny Rick Tom. You bragged on him in the last episode. Now this <laughs> episode, <laughs> are you even a fan? It's not looking good. Listen, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposition. I'm devil's advocate. You can call me, especially when the design. No, in. I think he's had he's had some really good helmet designs. I'm waiting for the uh, for his American one because I'm sure that'll come this year and that'll be epic, I'm sure. Peaches is a weird colour to go with with a papaya orange, I agree, as a main as a main hue. But anyway, that is I what it I've is. I have seen it. No, that's good. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. That's quality. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Just think about what he's driving in though. Oh, no. It's just going to be looking oh, that's weird. That's quality. That's good. Well, let's, let's keep going. Let's talk. I mentioned just before about the updated Haas car. Kevin Magnussen is back in Formula One, and I didn't see that bloody coming. No, <laughs> Manus, how what were your thoughts when you first saw that news? Because he was totally left field for me. Oh, I was completely shocked by it, taken aback. Uh, but it's great news. I mean, I followed a little bit of his uh, exploits last year. Mm. Um, That's good. He was in the WeatherTech MC Championship, uh, racing for Chip Ganassi in a Cadillac of all bloody things. And he did really well. I think he got one win. He stepped up and he raced for R.O. McLaren in an IndyCar in Circuit of Americas. And he did Le Mans in an LMP2. So, you know, he had a good season. Um, it was probably good for him to get away. But uh, during his interview with Ted in the notebook over the testing, um, you know, he was delighted to come back. And he probably wouldn't have came back if it wasn't a new car because... Well, he left. The car was a bit of a dog, so he's excited to be back. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see him back. Hopefully he's in a competitive car and can do something. Well, he absolutely looked competitive. Day two of testing, topping the timing sheets. Uh, Of course, people have said, oh, well, he's been out of the car. Yeah, absolutely, but this is a brand-new car for many people to learn. Alex Albon, of course, spent some time out of the car and also – 
is back for this year. It's looking good. Uh, and one of the great things, I think, Campy, is that Mick Schumacher now has a mentor in a car. It's exactly mm. what Haas should have done last year. We know, of course, their financial situation meant that we needed they needed some money injection in the form of Eurocali. Of course, that whole situation's played out and they've yeeted themselves uh, into the abyss in terms of trying to be in Formula One or be able to sponsor Formula One. Fair enough too, I reckon. But for K-Mag now to be able to have that wonderful relationship with his engineers, and I don't know if you've seen the video of him walking back into the Haas garage in Bahrain for the first time, but there are a lot of happy people, least among which is the social media manager for Haas, who's like, oh, good content, positive, happy content, thank God. Literally overnight, the social media guy, the the, the whole attitude has changed uh, and it is So good to see yeah. it's the Haas of old. We love to see it, um, but also the engineers look happy. I don't know if anyone's watched Drive to Survive yet. Some interesting engineering faces uh, in the crew there with the former driver, but this current driver, I mean, yeah. apart from some doors potentially being smashed up and down the grid, which we can all have a laugh about now with Kevin, it's good for <laughs> Mick, right, Campy? Because he has a mentor in the car, like we've said, every young driver needs. Yeah, look, I think. K-Mag and Grosjean too, they're bona fide F1 drivers belonged yes, in the sir. sport, deserve to be there. K-Mag on debut in Melbourne 2014 in that McLaren. Yep. I mean, got a podium on debut and it was overshadowed by Danny Rick beating him. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> that was that's the, only, that's the guy's only podium. And I think he raced two or three races that year because I can't remember. I think it was Fernando missed for some stuff or something. But he's a bona fide driver now. He had some issues with Grosjean, but that's because they're in a shit car at the back of the grid and they're yep. fighting each other. They're bound to come together all the time. But you are right. For Mick Schumacher, this is a real test. This is his first. I mean, he's had a year in F1. He's had a year to learn the team, a year to learn the car. And he smashed and he got better. Uh, he smashed Mazepin last year and he got better throughout the year and the gap just grew and grew and grew. This is now we get to see what Mick Schumacher is made of mm. in an F1 car against someone like Kevin Magnussen. If he can prove himself that he's just as good, if not better, then he will go on and have a long and illustrious career. But if he doesn't, and if he's consistently getting out-qualified by two to three tenths and, you know, consistently out-raced on race pace and not getting lucky with results, then uh, I think teams are going to seriously sit back and go, all right, it's a name. We've given it a try. It's great for marketing. It's all this. But, hey, we're racers at heart. Does he become a paid driver if he needs to be? Is that the path for him? So, it look, it's exciting for him. We get to see what he's really like. You know, we get to see the performance. I think he's had he's, – he's, he's got the upper hand at the moment because he's had a lot more time in the test car. I think uh, Magnussen's only had two sessions, I think, uh, like an afternoon, a morning session. So, uh, mix in front of him. But, um, look – Magnuson will rock up next week ready and raring to go and he'll be he'll be a hundred percent um in the first two or three races. So yeah, it Tommy will be T, exciting for that team to see what happens. He signed the contract the night before Bahrain testing began. Oh, I love that. Uh and an absolute we need to shout out as well Chip Ganassi Racing and the, yep. the great man himself, Chip Ganassi, immediately released Kevin. There was no umming and ahhing. There was none of that. It was like, K-Mag, you go back to where you belong. We'll see you on the other side, yep. uh, which is great. And I think also you absolutely nailed it, Campy, in terms of mentioning Grosjean, but Grosjean's killing it in, in Indy. Ah, there is no way he's so going back fun. to the back of the grid. Yeah, exactly. He's up the front. He's in one of the best cars now, absolutely. Yep. So that's fantastic to see. But for Tommy T, for us... 
for the world of Formula One, I think it's great news because there was plenty of people being considered. Hulkenberg was mentioned, of course. Absolutely, he should have been. Uh, we Piastri. spoke about Piastri, of course, many, many times, but he obviously not to be. Potentially, though, he might be in a Formula One car this weekend. Uh, but for other junior drivers, Tio Pulcher, well, he wasn't ready. He still isn't, needs another uh, sort of season in F2. Uh, but K-Mag makes the most sense for so many reasons. What What are those reasons for you? I'm surprised we didn't think about it earlier, to be honest. Mm. Like, I think he makes the most logical sense now that it's happened. But I'm with Manus. I was shocked. I think his consistency is the biggest thing. He's very much like a Kimi Raikkonen or those kind of Valtteri Bottas-style drivers who are very just consistent. We'll just rock it in some, like, brilliant lap times, give the team great data and for someone like Mick to see how consistent K-Mag was. I mean, we look back at those half seasons when it was Grosjean who could have a brilliant race, but then he could fall away and his bad was bad sometimes. Mm. K-Mag was just rock steady and like his his bad was still pretty good and his good was really good. So I think that's what they're going to they're gonna be uh, loving this year is the consistency they're going to get from K-Mag every single time he's in the car and the data that they're going to be able to use to improve that car. Because we know last year they were hanging for this season. They were just limping across the line trying to keep that team together and just get through to this season because they knew that that was when it was going to be all worthwhile. And it's so good to see. I mentioned just before as well, but in the second day of testing, he lit up the timing screens. Uh, He was admittedly the only car on track at that point because they were (laughs) given extended running. So, yes, absolutely, the track had uh, developed a little bit. But it's great to see Haas and not flailing around the back. Mick Schumacher uh, was second on the timesheets in the last day of running as well. So as you say, Campy, it's going to be interesting to see how Schumacher stacks up against Magnussen. But not only is he back for this year, but K-Mag has signed a multi-year deal. So we've got at least two years of Kevin Magnussen. So what's your gut feel? How does this end up? Like for me, I think K-Mag wipes the floor with him. But... Prove me wrong, hopefully. Well, I think, to be honest, I think they're going to be pretty evenly matched. If if we okay. look objectively at what Mick Schumacher has done, he won F3, he won F2, and now he's in Formula 1. And he did wipe the floor with Nikita last year in terms of pace and the ability to drive what was effectively an undrivable car. But it will now be about how they share information and the relationship that he then has with Kevin because he seems hyper-respectful, right? If you're Sebastian Vettel and you're obviously mentoring someone like Mick and you're having a conversation right now about what he can learn in the next couple of years from Kevin Magnussen, it will be one of don't stuff things up. There's no point having the, you know, the fight that he needs to have, sorry, that he that has had in the past with Grosjean. It's about supporting each other as best as you can. Uh, the team needs to come together as a very happy, progressive unit and the culture needs to change, which it will do, absolutely. And I just think they'll be able to celebrate. If you think about Fernando celebrating Ocon's win last year, the way that he defended in Hungary from Hamilton, I kind of think we'll see the same thing here if there is an opportunity for a podium. Can't believe I'm saying that, but Haas looking pretty good or even a a really good top six result. K-Mag will do that for the team because he's grateful to be back. And there's a slightly different thought process, I think, of K-Mag in 2022 compared to K-Mag at the end of 2020. And the other thing too is like as an engineer, I mean, these guys are smart, intelligent people. They don't just give up lives for nothing. I mean, these guys get the degrees they get, then they go to NASA or they go to Lockheed Martin 
or F1. That's how smart these guys are. Yep. And I think it could have been really tough for those a lot of the guys in that team traveling around the world, you know, 250 nights away in a hotel every year and working for someone like Mazepin, you know, who's shouldn't really be there because he didn't get there on the uh on the drivability side, got there because I mean his his dad was rich, let's get real. That could have been tough for them. So to get someone like K Maggie in has proved himself and they know some relationships there. I just think I think Haas is I mean, it's a big win for them. Nothing has gone right for them in the way of sponsorship and stuff throughout the last couple of years. And the man at the head, Gunther, we all love Gunther. He's taking a back seat, but I just hope he gets that Know, that fresh wind to just move on and, and be the character we know and love with a bit of uh, positivity in the air moving forward. Yeah, I'm just so stoked to see K-Mag back. I uh, didn't think I would be, to be honest, but it's yep. happened and I am and I'm here for it. Let's talk about testing itself now before we talk about maybe some thoughts ahead of the whole season. Unfortunately, Barcelona was behind closed doors. They made that call at the last minute, uh, which meant that the official testing happened in Bahrain. But what we did see was a word that I didn't think we'd uh, ever have to talk about again, Campy, but it's porpoising. Hooray! Porpoising. <laughs> and it's not flexi wings this year, it's this whole thing. Uh, now, if you don't know what porpoising is, this is not the podcast to listen to about that. I'm sure there are other ones, unless you want Campy to go into full detail. If you do, uh, let me know. Hello at lakesidedrive.com.au. The, the big porpoise. Who can we call the, the big, big porpoise? Or, the big porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas J. Camp. <laughs> but it seems, seems, lads, that McLaren were the only car out of the gate to not have this issue. Manus, I mean, that's good news for Daniel and Philando. It certainly is, but, I mean, they've got their own dramas, as we've is seen it? this week, uh, break issues for McLaren. Uh, so that's a bit of a concern, especially in the long runs. They were having terrible dramas, so... Um, but yeah, the porpoising, uh, Mercedes seems to have trouble with it. Um, I know that Russell and Lewis were both complaining about it. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, it's not something we've really seen in a long time. Not for a long time, no. Yeah. And this just highlights the way that we're changing how Formula One works and these technical regulations. Uh, it was looking good, but for Tommy T, I mean, people like Pierre Gasly looked like they were at a rock concert going down the main straight. <laughs> it's like bang, 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 bang. I thought your neck was sore to begin with. It's like you're listening to... I don't know how you keep going knowing that that's coming at the end of every lap and you're like, oh, I've got to go through this, shake my brains out. And then like I, I heard someone commentate like, how hard that would be trying to set up for that first turn coming out of that on the straight when it's just relentless. Like, that would be just infuriating. So, um, fingers crossed I can get it sorted. Camby, is this just like a part of ground effect cars and this is just one of those things because there's so much kind of sucking down to the ground, this is just an inevitable kind of problem that's going to arise and they're going to have to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. I th- most teams expected some sort of it, but they couldn't really test it in a wind tunnel. Like, you can't do that. Basically, it's as because – so this year, for the listeners that don't understand it, I'll take 30 seconds. As this year, we're trying to channel all seconds. the air in, like, underneath the car, in tunnels under car that will generate that that downforce. Um, so what happens was, like, it almost works too well and the car bottoms up and then it jumps up and down and then bottoms out because the way they've designed it works too well. So anyway, look, it's inevitable. But for me, the issue is going to be on places like China where there's some big, 
big, big breaking zones at the back of the long straights. If they're porpoising and they're breaking down right at that point where the car's unloaded and then unloaded, we're going to see some massive rear tyre lockups, I think, in some of those really big braking loads if they get the timing of their braking right. So um, it will be interesting to see, but they will fix it out. Uh, they'll fix it up. I mean, teams will get on top of this pretty quickly. And be pretty. If it's a universal problem that most teams are having, then they'll all come up with a universal fix. I'm more concerned about McLaren's front brake issues than than anything else. And I, it's a cooling thing, I understand. Mm-hmm. I can't get that it is. to cool down properly and burn. So, but they'll, they're smart people. They'll figure that stuff out too. Yeah, Landon Norris running several different options on brake cooling ducts and front wings and everything to try and solve that issue. Uh, hopefully they get it sorted out. Of course, the bigger issue, though, for me is Daniel Ricciardo's lack of laps in Bahrain in this car. Of course, he has COVID, uh, but a slight silver lining, I guess, that if Daniel was to miss the Bahrain Grand Prix, which would absolutely suck, they wouldn't have to change the flag on the car because Oscar Piastri would be released by Alpine to jump in that car, which is not something I saw coming. Um, probably neither did Stoffel Van Dorn, but yet again, he's being overlooked. <laughs> Poor Stoffel. <laughs> uh, but it's no good, Campy, because we've said this uh, going into last season, the, the issues that Daniel had were a correlation with the lack of laps he's had in the car. Now he's missed three days of the testing. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the world we live in at the moment. If it was cold, he would have sucked up and got on. But uh, look, mate, he's getting paid £20 million a year. This year he got a pass because it was a new team, new organisation. Suck it up, move on. He, he, he is more than capable of getting on top of this car. We'll take him a race and a half to get up to speed. Yes, but I'm not giving him the six or seven that we gave him last year. He he gets two weekends and that's it. So, But he's good enough to overcome it. And now, who doesn't like Daniel Ricciardo? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to this podcast? Oh. How have we gone so – Manus, quick, save Danny's, us. Podcast look, Danny, save us. Danny Rick will win the World Championship this year. Oh, he, there it is. He will make Lando Norris look second rate this year. And if that happens to race like after race two, then so be it. I mean, Melbourne's number one race him. It's a shame, but that's just the reality. Suck it up, move on. We can't keep making excuses for him like we did last year at times. <laughs> Not that I'd ever admit that. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, one thing that I do want to talk about, though, about McLaren is that they are looking totally different this year. Yes, the car looks great. Yes, the energy is looking good. But, Tommy T, the relationship between the drivers and the media team is looking better mm-hmm. than ever. Not that I thought we needed to focus yep. so much on this bromance between Lando and Daniel, but I think they found their individual rhythm uh, and are happy enough in the – I mean, obviously yep. Netflix Drive to Survive was just released, so that's going to cause a little bit of a wave again yeah. <laughs> when we see some of that content. Yeah, which can I just say, I refuse to watch that utter garbage. Okay, it's, uh, it's really good. Uh, but it? yes, yeah, absolutely it is. But, Tommy, for, for this, anyway, though, what, is it, no, what does it I mean? Think, I think so – Looking, watching that those couple of episodes so far that you see a lot of Daniel and Lando, it seems like everyone wanted them to work so much that they almost refused for it to work. It was almost like when someone tells you you're going to be really good friends with Campy, like James said, and I was like, oh, no, nah, he's a bit of a dickhead. And then you how just dare you? How you dare fight you? against it. You fight against it so much, and it's really hard. But then you're like, Campy's a good guy. You can't, you can't. So not you get help there eventually. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, <laughs> good you can't help it as much as you try. Because someone told you that you should. <laughs> 
But I think it was a little bit like that. Everyone was like, oh, they're going to be the funniest. They're going to be so good mm. together. They're going to have a great dynamic. And they're like, get stuff we will. Like I'm, I miss yeah. my mate Carlos or whatever it was. And then it kind of felt forced. Whereas I think they actually had to deal with some stuff internally as a team. Daniel's win, Lando outperforming, his kind of loss in Sochi, those kind of things that they've actually had to deal with together as two competing drivers mm. and as a team as a whole. Daniel said that he's loved this team as like, this is one of the best experiences he's had as a team. It's literally the only, the other driver that he's kind of struggled with the relationship wise. He's like, I love this team and I want to reward them for how much effort they've put into me. And I love the culture, everything. So I really think we're going to see another side of them because towards the end of the season, it seemed like they were figuring it out and they were kind of happy to be rivals, but still get along and enjoy it. Whereas it felt like Lando was feeling attacked and almost having to defend himself for, for no reason against Daniel or vice versa. So I really think they've kind of, they've got onto a level playing field and they're actually just going to really enjoy pushing each other as opposed to kind of like drag each other down. I think we're going to see a much better McLaren dynamic this year. Well, it's good news for when Daniel is the world champion, of course, McLaren are feeling happy about it. Manus, in terms of pace though, DR in Barcelona had some pretty good pace. There was uh, there's some happy, happy timings there. Of course, we can't see him in Bahrain, but other teams are doing some interesting stuff. Uh, Ferrari seem to be the ones that everyone keeps pointing towards, including Lewis Hamilton. The sandbags are firmly out at Mercedes. Geez, they started filling them just <laughs> before the before the last flag at uh, Abu Dhabi. But Ferrari do have solid pace, and maybe that's what's flowing down into Haas. Yeah, they look to be having uh, Consistent pace, uh, Charles Leclerc and Sainz have looked really good. The cars look pretty solid in the corners. Um, so that that's exciting and it's good-looking cars, I said earlier. Um, but it, like, it's just too hard to take anything from testing. I mean, I was having a look at last year. Yuki Tsunoda was second fastest during testing last season. And where, did, where was he? He was nowhere during the season. So we've got to take a lot of this with a <laughs> pinch of salt. Exactly. And as you say, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton can't touch the pedals for the amount of bloody sand in those cars. <laughs> Honest <laughs> God. Mercedes do this every year. They've, they've got issues. They've got dramas. Every They're going to be way down the field. Every First quality, bang. bang. Where did that come from? Every mm. time. Yeah, it's uh, as soon as they start saying, and it's great because everyone's calling them out immediately. They're like, yep, yeah, okay, sure, Mercedes, whatever you reckon. Up. Whatever you reckon. Uh, <laughs> but Campy, just want to look a little bit further down the grid. It was only down the grid because they had some reliability issues. But Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Bottas in that Alfa seems to be doing some uh, some good things, as does Guan Yu Zhou, can I just say. They seem to be getting on quite well as a driver pairing already. He's not called oh. that anymore, by the way. It's Joe Guan Yu. Yu. Yeah, it's Yeah, well, it's gonna take me forever to get used to that. But I just got used to saying that. it. Yeah, yeah. Zoe Guan Yu. Guan Yu Zhou. Yeah, that'll do. We'll just yep. keep him there. Ah, uh, <laughs> no, they oh, they had a tough first testing. This second week, they got on top of it. No, I think they had a, had an issue in like the last twenty minutes or the last half an hour of the final session yesterday. So uh, look, no, nah, they, they just look good. Um, Valtteri, Valtteri was a lot happier this week. He was yes. quite. You could see he's quite frustrated just in a couple of the interviews that he did in the press. Um, I think he's got the right attitude for that team. He's taken – he'll take Joe under his wing and teach him a lot and learn. I mean, there's an age difference. But Bottas has probably realistically got another five or six years if he wants to go that long. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, he's good. But Joe's at the start of his career, and if he proves himself, then he'll be right. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's a great, 
great pairing for Joe and uh, it's probably not where Bottas wanted to be at this time of his career. I think he would have liked to have made a lot more a lot more of a statement in the top team at Mercedes at time. But uh, but uh, look, he's he's more than uh, he's, he's more than competent and he'll be the team leader and you put that guy in nine teams out of ten and he'll beat his opponent nine times out of ten, you know. Just unfortunately he's up against Lewis Hamilton and that is a bloody big measuring stick. So mm. Uh, but yeah, they'll be right. Tommy T, another wily old fox. Uh, it's is the opposite of last year. It seems that Charles Leclerc scared the hair out of him, but now someone in the Stroll family has put it all back on again. The mane of Sebastian Vettel is back. He looks like Tony Hawk. Yeah, trying to be at one with the kids still. He does. Uh, he- absolutely crushing it. But Aston Martin not looking super strong in testing, but he's very quick to dismiss all of it, saying it doesn't matter. Exactly what Munna said, which I think is the point. Yeah. Right. I think, and everyone knows this. Everyone's like trying to make assumptions about what's happening, but I think, I think they'll be good. I don't know. They're struggling a little bit with that car, aren't they? It's not as smooth as they were hoping. Uh, that Aston Martin, but I think they've got a good team behind them. They've got some new leadership, which will be interesting uh, this year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more stroll behind the scenes, pushing things in a certain direction. Um, But I don't know. I feel like they might slip back. Um, A lot of teams have got a lot better and I think they're probably just going to hold steady and they're going to get passed pretty soon, I think, by some of those like Haas, I don't know where they've come from, but they look mm. like they might be off the bottom this year. Well, they've spent two years developing this car, so you'd bloody hope that there was some decent <laughs> pace in it. Certainly for Gunter's sake, certainly for Gunter's sake. Well, let's talk about what we can watch for in the first race. We saw some wheel-to-wheel action, whether it was actually any good or not or sort of indicative of what we were going to see, but... One thing is for sure, the way that these cars can follow each other around the, the circuits now seem to be a lot easier. And they seem to be able to get a lot closer, a lot faster. So I said, it was in testing, so who really knows? But it's only a couple of days away until we get to see some practice and some quali as well. Manus, let's start with you. What do you think we should be watching out for in this first race? And don't just say everything because that would still be a correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> What to look out for? Uh, probably Mercedes getting it all together and uh, they had no issues to begin with. That's probably one tech. Um, <laughs> what else would I be looking out for? Red Bull, apparently they're looking really, really strong. Um, mm. I think Martin Brundle said yesterday, out of all the teams, he thinks that they just haven't nailed and they'll be red hot straight out the gate. Ferrari, as we've just said, we think they're going to be much better. Um so those top three three teams are looking really strong. And then below that, apparently everybody's really, really tight, really, really mm. close. Uh, Crofty, Ted, um, Brundle were having that chat last night at the end of testing. So, look, that's that's good for us as viewers. Uh, we want that midfield to be really competitive. Uh, and let's hope it's the whole field is actually closer together because we really don't want to see, you know, two teams walking away with the title or challenging. We want to see three, four teams involved. So... That's sort of what I'm hoping for, but whether that happens or not, we shall see. Campy, what do you think? Most looking forward to qualifying, if I'm honest. I think we're going to see, you know, 1.2 seconds across the top, you know, from first to 20, which means a lockup can cost you, you know, a Q2 or a Q1 appearance, uh, Q3 appearance, which is, I mean, good for the sport. Um, I think for drivability and racing, I think we'll see a lot more closer racing. I don't think the moves will be as decisive, though. I think we'll see a lot of, like, 
a lot of wheel to wheel, multi corner. Like there'll be like a sector of the track where you've got to get the passes done. Just from what we've seen on track so far, it just feels like they can break a lot. They can break a lot earlier and later as they choose to get car positioning. And that car positioning can get the traction down. Um, just so you can get past in the corner, but if you know if you go too deep, you can get the traction on slightly earlier. It sets you up to to re overtake and stuff. So I think there's going to be a lot of multi cornering passing going on. So it's going to have to be a bit more strategic in the way you go about it. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I think I think I think Red Bull's just poised. Just got that feeling. We're doing our fantasy leagues and stuff. I just think you've got to back in Verstappen, Perez, and Red Bull as a constructor because. Well, yeah, they've just got that look about them, don't they? Tommy T, what do you think ahead of Bahrain this weekend? Oh, I'm, I mean, it's not the best, but I'm hoping we're going to see some on-track passing and this like, following close that we've all been promised for however long. That's the thing I'm most excited for, to see that just because you're following behind for two or three laps and you have to drop away and follow for six-second gap just to kind of cool the car down again to have another go – if we can kind of have this like relentless like chase happening for five, six, seven laps where they're inching closer and closer and closer, that's what we've missed, I think, in this most like recent iteration of car. I think I think this could be the change where we're back with this like this hunting down of that car in front and like the pressure really coming. And it's not just like you're having to hold them off for two laps and then they they disappear again. It's like, no, this is happening until I pass you. Um, and we'll see some great defending and some great overtaking moves, I think. Fingers crossed that's what we get because that's what we've been promised. Um, yeah. But we have no we have no evidence yet to see if that's actually the case. That's absolutely right. Well, Ross Braun is very confident that that's going to be the case and I'm happy to listen to what Ross says for a couple of moments anyway. All right, let's go through mm-hmm. uh, predictions for this season. Uh, I'll just assume Freya's predictions here. Uh, she wants Max to win. Red will probably be Constructors' Championships <laughs> and the gold podiums is, uh, I don't know, Alonso, DR and Vettel. Uh, Campy, <laughs> who do you think will be crown champion? I think you're probably uh, pretty accurate. Danny Rick, number one for yep. sure. Um, who and, do you think's going to win Constructors then? Uh, well, it has to be McLaren, doesn't it? Yes. No, I think, I think it'll be Red Bull and uh, it'll be Max Verstappen. What are any some bold podium thoughts? Anyone you can think about who's going to be stepping on that top step? We'll see K Mag. Kimmy Rockman, he'll be back. He'll be filling wow. in. Someone will get. <laughs> someone will get COVID and Kimmy Rockman's back. Wow. Uh, Dave Munnis, what do you think? Who do you think will be crowned champion for 2022? I'm going to be really bold. I'm going to say Carlos Sainz. I'm going Ooh. to say Ferrari a- for the constructors. They've got the budget, been working in this car for a long time, and they know how to cheat. So I'm going to say, allegedly. Bold prediction. I'm going to go K Mag and VB on the podium. Ooh, love that. Haven't seen a haven't seen a lot of Where's Wally this weekend. He's still he's still hiding away at the moment, isn't he? Still right, developing clearly. that new car. Yeah, yeah. working hard. That's the way to do it. Tommy working T, hard. who do you think is going to be crown champion? Max is doing. I think it's Max, <laughs> but I think the constructors going to go to Ferrari. Ooh. Wee. I think Ferrari's going to be very consistent. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be them like so I've got Max, Sainz, Charles in second and third. I yeah, think, it's for the drivers. It's interesting. Uh and bold yep. prediction. Yeah. I think it is. I, I just think they're going to be really consistent. That car just looks on lock at the moment. I just I think the consistency between those two drivers is going to be hard to beat. We saw Checo get better towards the end of the season, but I think the driver pairing of Sainz and Charles is very 
Very hard to match that level of talent between the two drivers. Bold predictions. I reckon we're going to see Albon on the podium. Oh, mm. Haven't heard much of him, but I think Albon's going to have a ripping season. He's going to come back and he's going to dominate. What a bloody great time to be alive, can I just say, Mm. for motorsport. Uh, An absolutely phenomenal first race. We don't know where anyone sits. You're absolutely right, Tommy T. Albon could come out of the park and smash it. Could you imagine... And a complete reversal of the grid with a Haas, a Williams, and an Alfa Romeo on the podium this weekend. What an absolute scene that would be. As for me, who do I think will be crowned champion? George George Russell doesn't score a point for 10 races. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. The Tommy T curse continues until he lifts the spell. Uh, Look, I'm with you, Campy. I mean, it's either this is it for DR. If he doesn't do it this year, it's never coming. Let's be brutally honest. So it is this year for Danny Rick and McLaren. I think Ferrari will take constructors, though. I think they're looking, as you say, Tommy T, as solid as anyone in terms of that consistency, that driver pairing. I think Carlos will absolutely be challenging for the title if if anything else, Manus, I, I think that's probably the probably the most spot on in terms of yeah. uh, a thought bubble. But bold podiums, look, I think you're absolutely right. Albon is an absolute chance of being on there. So is Latifi. If the Williams is strong enough, so is Latifi. I, I'd love to see K-Mag yep. on a podium. That would just be the absolute fairy tale, wouldn't it? Uh, and, of course, a little bit of consistency on the podium from one times Fernando Alonso. After he gets out of his pink race suit, I'll be happy with mm-hmm. it. So when when the Racing Point version of Alpine is finished and moving on, I'm happy to see Alonso up there. Well, it's funny none of us have mentioned Lewis, but, I mean, as I said, I think maybe what happened at the end of last year, we have just opened up a can of worms that we didn't really ever want to open. He's well, going to have something between the teeth this year, and if he's got a car to win the World Drivers' Championship, he will win it, and he's going to play every card he has possibly got up his sleeve. Uh, he'll be a victim this year in everything that happens. Don't worry about that. And that's not because he particularly cares. It's because he'll use that to get some sort of advantage anywhere, anywhere. So oh, I wouldn't write him off either. Absolutely not. I mean, you you are correct. The only problem is Max Verstappen carrying that number one on the car is at that level and greater now too. He is the defending world champion, which he's never been yeah. before. So there is a new side of Max Verstappen that we are going to see in this season. Well, that's it for our Bahrain Preview podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, we have a couple of things you can do to uh, join the community. If you're new to Lakeside Drive, it's honestly really great to have you here. Uh, we have a Discord server where we talk about F1 and other motorsports during all well all the time, basically, but through the F1 weekend, uh, through all the sessions, you'll find most of us there, as in the four of us uh, and Freya as well, over the course of certainly the race, sometimes quality as well. F1 Fantasy League is back. You can find a link to it at our website or in the description below to find the Lakeside Drive F1 Fantasy League. And there are prizes up for grabs. You can find uh, out what those prizes are by also going to the website and supporting the show by buying some merch. we got some new merch coming out soon too that Tommy T is going to design. Uh, and also for this week on Instagram, we'll be announcing the winner of our fantasy competition from 2021. Our favourite name um, I have... 
I've got some bloody doozies that I need to discuss with the boys after we finish recording this to, to choose a winner, but it's not far away. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, all of the usual places. Uh, and if you've enjoyed today's show, please leave us a rating or review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It bloody helps. All things serve the algorithm. We'll continue to say that for the 2022 season. But, gents, it is time to say goodbye. Tommy, thank you so much. Manas, thank you as well. Thank you. And Thomas J. Camp, thank you for pushing through your hangover. Uh, and uh, we might not see you next weekend. So for your very special day, have an incredible time, my friend, if we uh, if we don't see you on the yeah. Monday morning, which we probably won't. But no, uh, Definitely we'll- you will not be seeing me on the Monday morning. I can assure <laughs> you I'll be on the shag somewhere up in the wind Sundays. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, then have a great wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so. And we'll see. I'll, I'll we'll be back from after. Melbourne. I'll be back from Melbourne. I think, so. Well, looking forward to having you back, mate. Uh, thank you so much thank for listening. You, we'll see you very soon. On the shag, he reckons. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I've got two uh, camping saying already, and we're only one podcasting. Funny.